Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. I need some power in the house this morning because we are, we're stepping into this new sermon series uh, called For the Sake of the World. And uh, I'm very excited about this sermon series. It is our pre-Easter sermon series. And so what we're doing is really just preparing for the harvest that is forthcoming through our local church. Amen? Awesome. So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10, and we're going to read a familiar story together. You've probably heard the story of Zacchaeus at least once or twice if you grew up in church. This is a popular Sunday school message, but hopefully we're going to be touched by the spirit of revelation today, and God is going to give us some fresh insight about how we can apply the story of Zacchaeus to our lives. Amen? Are you guys hungry for a word from the Lord? You hear that, Lord? We're ready for all that you have to dish out today. We have come hungry. Amen. Amen. All right, let's read uh, the Bible here. It says, and he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. Not a scout tax collector. This guy is the big man on campus. He is the chief tax collector, and he was very rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So the Bible is giving us a few really important details Uh, in the midst of this story here, and that is that Zacchaeus is a tax collector. He is very rich. He's curious to see who Jesus is, but he cannot see Jesus because he's very small, okay? And so he ran on ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Now, one of the things that I need to point out here is that in the ancient world of Israel, this is not dignified behavior from an adult man. In in this day and age, grown men don't climb sycamore trees, particularly those that are chief tax collectors and are extremely rich. So you have to understand here that this guy, Zacchaeus, his curiosity begins to get the best of him. So he climbs up a tree to see what the fuss is all about. Because per usual, right? Like there is a group that is crowding around this man named Jesus as he is passing through Jericho. Okay. So have we set the stage, right? So next scripture, please. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must, I like that, stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. I just like the word hurry right there. And I like the word joyfully. I just think that's how we ought to respond to Jesus. Right? No delay, no denial. I don't need to go do anything before I receive Jesus into my heart and into my house. Because I am all about the joy that he brings along with him. Amen. 
Are y'all happy today? Just notify your face. Just like be full of joy. Just smile and know that you've got the victory. Right? Jesus passed through Jericho. Praise God that he is passing through Nashville today at 900 Gallatin Avenue, that he is in the room. Amen. I'm in a hurry to get some Jesus today. I am receiving him joyfully, not the gifts that he has to give to me, but him, his person, his face, who he is. I want Jesus. We got to get through this scripture. I'm already trying to preach. And he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled, which is what happens when people see you forget about everything else and just go after the person of Jesus. Isn't it? I mean, people get offended by joy, don't they? It's true. How offended do you get when you see someone else filled with joy when they worship? I don't know. It's just a, could be. You might be religious if. That's all I'm saying. I don't know if y'all are taking notes yet, but I already started preaching. I'm sorry. I just, it's. We're at church. And Jesus is here. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. (laughs) He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Ain't it just like Jesus to hang out with the people you think he shouldn't? (laughs) Oh, I love how offensive the Lord is. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord. See, you remember when John the Baptist came preaching, he said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Right. And then he gave them what it looked like to begin to bear fruit. And one of the things that he began to talk about was giving to the poor. And Zacchaeus, an individual who understood Hebraic history, knew what was required when you extorted somebody, which was to pay them back plus 20%. So what Zacchaeus does is he goes beyond the requirements of the law. This is the fruit of repentance. This is good. So Zacchaeus is like, if I've defrauded anyone, I'm going to give to the poor. I'm going to give half of my goods to the poor. Man, this guy's been touched, right? I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, which, which means, leads me to believe that he has. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I restore it fourfold. Yeah. I'm going above and beyond what the law requires. I'm stepping into what love demands. Yeah. See, it's not religious when you're in love. It's not religious to give when you're in love. You're like, man, I don't care what the law says. I ain't giving in accordance to the law. I'm giving on the basis of my love. Right? He's like, half of it goes to the poor. If you want all of it, Lord, you can get all of it. And, And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Man, that is good news, right? Since he also is a son of Abraham, y'all don't even know the dignity that Jesus ascribes to Zacchaeus whenever he says that. We're going to get into that in just a minute. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Read that last sentence all together. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. One more time. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Oh, that's good. That's good. 
And uh, the title of today's message is why that's so good, because that right there, guys, is Jesus's mission statement. If you've ever wondered, why did Jesus come? Look no further than Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. If you ever wondered, why did he come? What mission was he on? Here was God's purpose in sending Jesus. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now I wanna read verse 10 to you in a different translation. It's the BLB, which is the Berean literal Bible. I love that translation, all right? Self-proclaimed nerd. It's really great, okay? And it reads like this. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that having been lost, all right? So we know that the Bible teaches us that God's true riches is souls, right? That's true riches, right? That, that's God's treasures, Somebody say, I, I am God's treasure. God's Doesn't that make you feel good? Yeah. Right? That, that, that God sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you as his treasure. Yeah. Like that's the mission Jesus was on. Yeah. Are you tired of hearing that yet? No. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Right? But Jesus did not come to save lost souls only the, the BLB teaches us that he came to save all that was lost. That, that means lost systems, lost structures, lost geographical territories, lost spheres of culture. Right. He came to save a lost entertainment industry. He came to save a lost art industry. He, you, you see what I'm saying? He came to save families. Like the whole idea of family and marriage and the whole idea of marriage. He came to redeem and restore everything that was lost through the sin of our first father, Adam, when he took the apple from Eve and took a bite. So he said, hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to restore every single person that's been lost, but I'm going to restore the world and redeem every single aspect of the human experience. I, look at God. He's awesome. He's like, I'm coming to save you and I'm coming to save uh, your understanding of the human experience. Yes. Just all of it, yeah. right? Yeah. Somebody say, I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. That's important to remember. Yeah. That's important to remember. You know, I couldn't help but as I read the scripture today, uh, well, this week, it, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the... Yeah. Come on, y'all help me preach this. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the... Yeah lost right and so I couldn't help but to be drawn to that word lost because I'm like man lost lost like this is a this is a key word right particularly this week as we are chatting with our neighbors that have lost everything yeah. right we were out in the Rosebank neighborhood this this week and if you don't know that is the neighborhood that our new church facility belongs to in 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 the Rosebank neighborhood and so we're out there and we're, we're talking with people. I, I, I talked with some elderly women and they were very emotional about the things that they had lost, right? Because some people, they've lost everything. Yeah. Um, some people uh, have lost their family members. We know right now that 24 people perished in the tornado. Extremely, extremely sad. And we're, we, we will pray for them and continue to pray for them. Those families, people lost their homes, People lost their vehicles. People lost their, 
belongings, their possessions, everything just lost. Right. And so as I was as I was reading this scripture this week, I was like, we are in a moment in which we are very familiar with things that are lost. And, and as I walked through the street and I looked at all the things that have been lost, I couldn't help it. There were moments in which I wanted to allow myself to be overcome with emotion and weep. Because I was looking at everything that had been lost and I, I just thought to myself, man, this is so sad what's been lost. But this is also why we are here. Yeah. In a moment of darkness, in a moment of sadness, in a moment in which everything seems to be lost, the church shows up and it's like, this is why we do what we do. This is our mission. This is the mission that we are on. When everything else seems to be going terrible, the church steps up and says, I have hope for the hopeless, right? I have something to remind you of. It is a greater truth than that which you have lost. You can be found through the ministry and the saving grace of Christ Jesus. Right. It's like this is our mission. This is why we exist. We're here to seek and to save the lost. Right. Just looking for things that are broken and need repair, looking for things that are destroyed. You know, I, I pulled out this uh, definition of lost and I, I want to read it to you guys. It, it lost made no use of no longer possessed, no longer known, ruined or destroyed, beyond reach, insensible, hardened, unable to find the way, no longer visible, lacking assurance, not appreciated or understood, overlooked. Wow. That's what the collegiate dictionary says lost means. And you know, some people lost houses, lost cars, lost possessions, some people are lost. Because because you're you're seeing the definition of this word and you're like, hold on, that's my experience. I'm lost. I mean, like, yeah, I know religiously, intellectually that Jesus has found me and redeemed me and saved me. But there are still big chunks of my heart that are lost. There's still big portions of my life that are lost. I don't feel known anymore. In fact, I feel ruined physically. I feel destroyed morally. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit has drawn some lost people into the room today. And Jesus is passing through the church today in the same way that he was passing through Jericho. I don't know if you guys realize this, but Jesus was just passing through. He wasn't even on a mission trip. It just, it just passing through, just passing through, right? Like Jesus is on a mission, even though he's not on a mission trip. That ought to convict us right there. Right? So Jesus is passing through and, and, and there is this lost guy named Zacchaeus. He, he's, he's in a crowd he, and yet he's lost. Some of you guys know what that feels like. You come to church, you get in big groups, you're with your family, you're at the reunion and you're like, I am so not known here. I am so ruined. I am so misunderstood. I am so underappreciated. I am so lost. And yet you're surrounded all these by all these people, but you can't figure out why you feel lost. That's Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus like, nobody knows me. Nobody even wants to know me. They won't even let me see Jesus and I'm small. And they're like, get out of here, Zacchaeus. Get out of the way, Zacchaeus. Let somebody who needs to see him, see him. You're terrible. You're a chief tax collector. You extort us of our money. See, you have to understand Zacchaeus, uh, root word of his name is Zacca, 
which is actually a Hebrew word. It's used throughout the Old Testament in different places. And Zaka, this Hebrew boy that grew up most likely in a Jewish family is now working for the Roman occupation that has taken over Israel by military force. So no wonder the crowd didn't like him. He's done flipped on the fam and joined the Romans. Zacchaeus said, I'm I'm tired of getting pushed around by my own people. I'm sick of being ostracized and marginalized by my own family. I'm tired of the way y'all been treating me because I'm small. I'll show you I'm big. You, you, You try to treat me like I'm powerless. Watch the job I go and get. Then you'll know that I'm powerful. Then you'll feel my power. When I come up into your house unannounced without knocking, because I know I'm powerful as a chief tax collector. And I say, go ahead, give me the money that you owe the government. And I'm going to extort a little bit off the top and I'm going to fatten my pockets. And you guys will see that same kid you pushed around in the playground. I'm powerful. You, You see what I'm saying? It's like we have a whole lot of Zacchaeuses in Nashville. Right. Oh, I've been pushed around long enough. Watch, watch me get this powerful job, right. right? Zacchaeus was very intelligent. See, Jericho was a, 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 a trading hub. You remember the walls of Jericho that came down, yeah. right? This has been a big city for hundreds of years. This is like Nashville circa 2011, and he's a realtor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he hit the bubble, man. He's making bank, <laughs> right? Like uh, that's Zacchaeus, Hebrew boy. Kicked out of his own family, kicked out of his own lineage, kicked out of his own culture. Now he's flipped and joined the Romans. If you can't beat him, join him. Now he's a powerful tax collector coming into the same places that he used to get bullied. And now he's bullying them. Coming through with that, you know, with that pocket watch swinging. Yeah. Y'all used to make fun of how small I was. Who's small now? Got them fat pockets. What's up? You see what I'm saying? See, we got some Zacchaeuses in the room today. I know. I know. Like, let me just read you a list of the things that you might identify with Zacchaeus. Number one, Zacchaeus is genuinely curious about Jesus because he's genuinely lost on the inside. Like, he hears about this Hebrew that could potentially be the Messiah named Yeshua, and he's like, uh, that, that's my family. I'm a Hebrew. Like I've tried to turn my back on everything that I've come from, but there is somebody that might accept me and treat me with love and embrace me as who I really am, which is why it's so dignifying when Jesus says, you are a son of Abraham. He brought him back into the family. He acknowledged the heritage. He brought him back into the lineage. And he said, you're a son. This is who you really are. Can you imagine how Zacchaeus got set free by that? He said, oh, somebody who sees me as I, they restored me into my family. That's that's what happens when you get saved, right? And there's a whole lot of folks, they're lost on the inside. They're curious, man. What if Jesus would be the one? What if Jesus would dignify me? What if Jesus would accept me? What if Jesus would bring me back home, right? Uh, Zacchaeus, you know, he'd been rejected by everybody. So it feels, and so he's quietly longing for change. He's pretending on the outside like everything is good. Like he's pulling up new car, new clothes, 
Louis V bag. What's up? And, but on the inside, but on the inside, my man is lost. He's quietly yearning for a change. He looks good on the block at 10 a.m., but at 2 a.m., when the head hits the pillow, he's crying and he's broken and he knows he's lost and he's missing his dad and he's missing the dignity that he never got from his family that never acknowledged him and told him to get back, get away, get out. You're small. You don't matter. You'll never amount to anything. Right? Is this hitting home for anybody today? I'm telling you, we all have Zacchaeus moments. I'm feeling small. It's a Zacchaeus moment. I'm feeling like I don't matter. It's a Zacchaeus moment. I don't feel known. That's a Zacchaeus moment. I feel broken. I feel misunderstood. I feel maligned. I feel pushed out. That's a Zacchaeus moment. Man, I'm glad that Jesus is passing through. (laughs) In the midst of my moments where I'm thinking like Zacchaeus. Come on. Right, Zacchaeus lived in such a way he wasn't proud of himself. We may be like Zacchaeus, not actually proud of what we do for work, but we do it because it meets our heart's need to feel important. Some of us in the room may even be making a great deal of money out of doing something that is illegal. Like Zacchaeus. Extortion, manipulation, control, robbery, lying. Right? What's Zacchaeus doing? Some of us are like Zacchaeus, lost, and we know it. Some of us know what it's like to have multiple day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month Zacchaeus moments, and we're lost, and we're curious, and we're searching, and we don't care if we have to be embarrassed by climbing a tree in public. We'll do it because we know we need something more powerful than ourselves to restore us to the family. And here's the good news. like If you're having a Zacchaeus moment today, I want you to know that Jesus is passing through. And even you, even though you may be uh, surrounded by a crowd and you might be the smallest, most insignificant person in the bunch, Jesus is locked in on you. Like he's locked in on you to be seen. All you have to do, all you got to do is position yourself. Zacchaeus positioned himself. He climbed up in the tree. What do you need to do today to position yourself? Maybe you need to lift your hand in the worship, man. Lord, here I am. Lord, here I am. I'm positioned. I'm in a, I'm having a Zacchaeus moment, but I'm positioned. Somebody say, climb the tree. <laughs> right? Get in the tree. Get in the spot of prayer. Hit your knees in front of your bed. Turn on worship on YouTube in the living room. Get in position. I'm, Lord, I'm having a Zacchaeus moment. I'm lost. I'm unknown, I'm marginalized, I'm messed up, I don't know who I am, I've been rejected, I'm in a Zacchaeus moment, Jesus like, I see you, and I'm coming for you, right now, I'm passing through, I'm locked in on you, I don't care who says what, doesn't matter to me uh, who says anything about my ministry, because I love you and hang out with you, I'm coming for you. Right? And that's just like the Lord, isn't it? Always saving people that don't deserve it. Oh, come on, get real for a minute. Lord, I can't believe you saved Kanye. He didn't deserve it. Have you ever listened to his albums? That ain't real. That's fake. Okay, might be religious if. I mean, for real though, right? 
We're like, man, God saved me. I was, I was the worst. Then when he saved somebody else who was more worse, you, you doubt it. No, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think I, I think I was probably the worst that you could be to get saved. Somebody worse than me? I don't think so. No, bro. Listen, that's who the Lord is locked on. Right? He's out looking for those people. He's out combing through the wreckage, seeking to save those that are lost. And all that is lost with it. Jesus doesn't just redeem your spirit. He redeems your whole experience. He's like, no, I'm bringing it all back. Right? <laughs> Let's go, Lord. Pass through, somebody said. Pass through. Come on, man. Tell the person. Yeah, come through, Lord. Come through, Lord. Right? Tell the person next day, I'm getting the tree. Getting the tree. Position yourself. So here's the thing. Look, worship team's going to come up in about five minutes or so. They told me one, and I, so that means I got three, but I'm taking two more. So listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Listen, we had a six-minute video called For the Sake of the World. I had to tell you all about coronavirus, so just deal with it, all right? You're going to be five minutes late, all right? So here's the thing. <laughs> all right, we ain't going to let coronavirus steal the time, all right? You see what I'm saying? So look, this whole message is called for the sake of the world. You might be having a Zacchaeus moment this morning and you might very well be Zacchaeus. We're going to give you the opportunity to respond. You can come home. You can be found. You can get saved right here, right now today in Jesus name, right? But as we're talking about for the sake of the world, one of the things I want you to consider is the fact that you, Christian, disciple, follower of Jesus, if you're following Jesus, where are you following him to? Like, if you never find yourself in the midst of the darkness, you have to ask yourself, am I really following Jesus? Because Jesus is always leaning into those dark places, seeking to save that which is lost. So if your experience following Jesus is always comfortable and always about you, I'm just saying, you might not be following the real Jesus. You might be following an idol, right? And so this message is not going the way I thought it would, but, but we're following y'all. Let me finish my points. Yeah, we're following, we're following the real Jesus. And if you are the body of Christ, right here, here here's what you're doing. You're seeking and saving the lost. So, so here's point one. Jesus was actively looking for the lost in the midst of his normal, right? Jesus didn't need to go on a mission trip to go on mission. See, we got to divorce this idea that we clock in and clock out for the Lord. Well, I clock in on Sunday. No, you're clocked in 24-7, 365, right? Like you're looking for the lost at your university. You're looking for the lost on your job. You're looking for the lost when you're walking down the street. You're looking for the lost when you're shopping, right? Because the Lord will be faithful to put lost people in front of you if you will be faithful right? To love on them as he loves them. You're the body of Christ. God's living and breathing through you, finding and searching out the lost through you. Right? So we can't do this whole clock in, clock out thing. Outreach is not reserved for mission trips exclusively. Well, I'm not called to ministry. No, what you're saying is you're not called to full-time vocational ministry, meaning to get a paycheck from the church, but you're called to ministry because you're a priest. Right. 
So when you say, I don't want anything to do with ministry, you are not rejecting your assignment. You're rejecting your identity. Because here's the truth, man. God does not call you to evangelize. He causes you to evangelize. That's the truth. It's like everybody's called. You just got to have to deal with that. He's going to have to deal with that, which is why when Zacchaeus was up in the tree, Jesus was like, I must. He wasn't considering, am I called to this? No, he was caused. I must. Zacchaeus, hurry up. We got to go to your house today, bro. I'm hanging with you today. Right? Here's point two. Jesus actively got involved in the lives of lost people. Right? I must stay at your house today. So Jesus didn't avoid people because they were lost, because they were defiled, because they were disgusting, because they were nasty sinners. Right? Sometimes we think we're going to be polluted by hanging out with people who do not yet know Jesus. All right? Jesus never practiced that posture. He did everything that he could to get around lost people. The worse, the better for the Lord, right? And I know sometimes like we're like, oh man, uh, I'm going to hang out with uh, people that I know that I shouldn't and call it evangelism. Oh, I'm meddling now because y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I'm trying to be a light. Well, you took 15 shots of tequila. You ain't the light, all right? You're just as drunk as they are. My God, stop. They don't want to be like you. They put you in the Uber after you puked on their shoes. Like, they don't want to be like you. That's not evangelism. I'm witnessing. He ain't doing no witnessing. Ain't witnessing nothing good. Right? Here's point three. People actually questioned the validity of Jesus's ministry because of who he chose to be friends with. Like legit, I want people to doubt the call of God on my life because of who's in my Instagram. That's a little too much for some of y'all. But listen, I can't believe Carl Lentz is hanging out with Jay-Z. Unfollow. He... Listen, Jesus hung out with people so often that the religious couldn't stand that he earned a nickname that was friend of sinners. How many sinners are you friends with? Just real question. Like, have you insulated your life to such an extent that the language that you and your friends speak exclusively is Christianese? Like people can't even hang out with you because all you do is like paraphrase scripture to one another. You know what I'm saying? Like, how you doing today, sister? All praise the Lord. I'm blessed and highly favored. Like people don't even know what that means, right? It's true. Like you put yourself in their life, you invite them into yours, and it doesn't matter who says what, because you know what your motive is. Well, I don't want to be religious about it. I don't want to hang out with people just to evangelize them. Why? Why? 
Who told you you couldn't become friends with someone because you have an ulterior motive that is to get them in relationship with Jesus that's gonna cause their life to be transformed in such a way that they spend eternity with God and they know what flourishing looks like this side of heaven. That seems like a pretty pure motive. So just to me, I'm just gonna throw that out there. It seems like a pretty pure motive. Well, I don't wanna push religion on anybody. That's not the Bible, okay? That's mass media and secular news, all right? Well, you don't, you don't wanna be too pushy. Who said anything about being pushy? I'm talking about an invitation. I'm not trying to force feed you anything. I'm trying to invite you into my life. You want me to go to the bar with you? Okay, I'll go to the club with you, trying to figure out why I'm not drinking like you. Well, let me tell you, I'm already full. I already got something else going on in here. I'm bubbling up with joy. I don't even need that. Well, don't you like seeking pleasure? Yeah, I'm the ultimate pleasure seeker. I'm completely devoted to the Holy Spirit. I get fulfilled on a different level, okay? If you're trying to see what I got, you can come with me tomorrow morning. If you can get up, go to the 1130. And I'll show you what it looks like to be drunk, but in a different way. You know what I'm saying? It's like, listen, church should be happy. All right. Why do you think that in Acts chapter two, like they get baptized in the Holy Ghost? All right. And people are like, they're drunk. They had to have been acting abnormally. They had to have. They're like, what's wrong with them? Obviously drunk. No, they're not drunk as you suppose. Right. They are filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay. Last thing, let's read the last scripture and then we'll close, all right? There's a, one more scripture. All right. Uh, okay, familiar scene right here. Familiar scene. Hey, can the worship team come up and y'all stay engaged? Yeah. Okay, familiar scene. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them? This is like the routine, right? This is the normal of, uh, of the Pharisees, the religious people. They're all, they always have something to say about who Jesus is going to lunch with. That's it. They're, they're all, they always have something to say with who Jesus is hanging out with. Right. And then he says, so he told them the parable, uh, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. Man, that's such a good picture of how to pick people up and bring them back home. You do the work. Well, I told them about the Lord. They didn't do anything. Keep doing the work. Put them on your back. Carry them if you have to. Get them into the house, right? And when he calls them home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. Rejoice with me for I have found the sheep that was lost. Right? Just, and Brian read this earlier. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Why? And I'm not trying to pick on anybody, why, but why in some local churches there's no joy? Because there's no repentance. Right? Why, why, why is there no party? Because nobody's getting saved. <laughs> A joyful atmosphere is an atmosphere of repentance. And we look at repentance as it being this solemn thing. We got to get real quiet and we got to afflict ourselves and we got to cry for three hours and run through a box of Kleenex. No, repentance, the results of repentance is parties. Yeah. 
There's no life in that church. Nobody's getting saved there. You know when a house gets real festive? Have a kid. I'm not, I'm not telling you if you're bored to, to go make a baby, all right? I, it's not, don't read into it too much. But listen, new birth, new life, new life in a house brings joy into the house. It makes messes. But, but there's a lot of energy there. And we're calling all our friends and saying, rejoice, man. People are repenting. We're partying over here because people are getting set free. And sometimes we come to church, well, I don't want to repent. I don't want to lift my hand. I don't, you know, well, why not? Right? Okay, let's see. Um, here's what we're going to do real quick. I just, I want to make some space real quick for any, anybody in here that's, that's lost. Okay. If you're lost in here uh, and you know it and you're like, man, that is me. I know it. Just for a moment, every eye closed. If you are lost in here and you need Jesus today, you need to get saved, you want to rededicate your life or come to him for the first time ever, would you just lift your hand up courageously and quickly? And the same way that Zacchaeus responded, just quickly raise your hand. Is there anybody in here that needs to come home right now? This is your moment. It's your opportunity to respond. I see you. Awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see you. Awesome. Is there anybody else? This is your time right now. It's your moment right now. I think there's probably one other person. I mean, I could be wrong. Okay, I see you. Awesome. There you go. Amazing. Awesome. Amazing. Let's go. So let's just pray collectively as a family. We pray, Jesus, I repent joyfully. That's good, isn't it? I repent joyfully. And I receive your sacrifice on the cross. I am redeemed. I am found. I am saved. My whole life belongs to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Burn in us, God. Burn in us, God. Burn in us, God. You know what's interesting about the fire of God is that it burns up everything in you that does not bring Him glory. And I ask you to be courageous this morning, church. I ask you to be brave and invite the fire of God upon your life. I ask you just to be courageous and ask for a greater measure of fire. A greater measure of fire. Lord, we ask you for more fire. Could we pray that together, church? We just pray more fire. We just pray more fire. We pray more, God, more, Lord, more, Lord. We want more fire, more fire, more fire upon our lives. Baptize us afresh in your fire. Baptize us again in your fire. Baptize us again in your fire. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Good news is, is that God always takes you at your word. He always takes you at your word. So if you feel yourself being refined this week, I want you to remember this moment. Just remember it when you're like, God, I'm being pressed. You ask me for more fire. God, feel like things I've been holding on to getting pulled out of my, you ask me for more fire. That's good. Don't worry. It's just you becoming more like him. That's all it is. Just let it go. Let it happen. (laughs) 
Amen. 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 We are so, so delighted that you chose to be with us today, this Sunday morning here at Legacy. I think it's safe to say uh, that God is here. Amen. And that God has blessed each and every one of us today. Amen. And that now we have an assignment to go and bless others. Amen. For the sake of the world. Thanks for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.